Good evening. It's wonderful to see everyone here. We want to thank you for being here with us tonight. It's a wonderful time. It's a wonderful opportunity to be here with God's family, to see your smiling faces, to study God's word, to be here in this place that, that you could have chosen to be somewhere else, but you chose to be here in the house of God, to study his word, to sing songs of praise unto, unto his name, and to worship him. And we appreciate you being here tonight. We are, we are continuing our study in the book of Numbers. As Nathan said, we are on Numbers chapter 14. And I'm going to have all the verses up here on the board for us as we, as we study tonight, as, as, we, as, we, as we go through Numbers, as, as we look at the children of Israel and what they're doing and what they're not doing and, and, and how God is reacting to those things and what Moses is doing. And there's lots of things going on here in this chapter. But to me, there's a lot of practical application for us today. That there are things that the children of Israel are doing, there's things that they are saying, the way that they are acting, that is just human. And we can fall into those same steps, we can fall into those same mistakes that they did back in Numbers. And I want us to make sure that we are not getting into that mindset that those children of Israel were with God back when they were leaving Egypt and going towards Canaan's land. If you recall, last week, uh, Brother John did... Numbers chapter 13, and I want to kind of revisit just those last few verses there so we can kind of remember what's going on here, is that they, they, they've come to a certain place, and um, they have sent spies out to go spy out the land of Canaan, so they, can, so they can see the land of Canaan, so they can give a report back to the people. And these leaders, or these captains of the, of the children of Israel went, and they spied out the land, and then they came back and brought th this report. And I, I want us to kind of see what happened there at the very end there. Uh, in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, the Bible says, And Caleb stilled the people be, uh, before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. So he's, Caleb is saying, we got this. We can go take this land as God has promised to give us. Verse 31, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they, and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, The land, though which we have gone, gone to search it, is a land that eateth up as the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in, in it are men of great stature. Verse 33. And there, were, and there we saw the giants, the, the, son of Anak, or the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So remember, this is an evil report because God has already said, I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. You go and possess it. Caleb and Joshua are on board with what God said. They said, no, we can take it. We can have this land. We can possess it. God is with us and all these things. But the other men that went were scared. These guys were big. They obviously were, were, were big. The comparison for me to a grasshopper is, is probably a, an exaggeration. But they're kind of trying to get it in their minds. These guys are huge. We're like grasshoppers to them. So we can't take it. They're going to step on us and just squash us. And they scared the entire children of Israel. And that's where we're going to pick up here in Numbers chapter 14. How did they react to this evil report? So I have this map. And they were right here in Kadesh Barnea, 
and I did not say that correctly, but this is where they're at. So they're in this place here. They're, they're here in the wilderness. They, spent the, they sent spies out to the land of Canaan, and they've come back to this place, and this is where they are, and they brought their report. Caleb and Joshua brought a good report back here. The other guys brought an evil report or a bad report because they did not have faith or the belief in God, which we're going to talk about that this evening. So we've made it all this way. This is where John has left us off, and this is where we're going to pick up as far as this map location goes for Numbers chapter 14. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. That when we go back into the Old Testament and we read those things, and we read those situations and how people reacted, those things are for our learning. We can learn a whole bunch from the book of Numbers. And I used to not think that way, maybe because I'm a younger guy. I don't want to read the Old Testament. Give me the New Testament. But there are many, many things that we can learn here. You know, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. That's speaking of God's rest, of the rest that's in Jesus Christ. It says, Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And we're going to read about that example here tonight. That it is still an example for us. That we see their, their behavior. We see their un unbelief. We see their lack of faith in God. And we cannot be like that. So when I studied, when I look at Numbers chapter 14, this is what I read. Warning. It's like a warning sign. Don't be like this. Trust God. Have faith in God. So as we read this chapter, think about the great warning it is for the New Testament churches there, as, as, as we read about in Hebrews, and for this church here in Pampa, Texas today. There's a warning in Hebrews chapter 14 that we should not be like the children of Israel, as they're acting here in Numbers chapter 14. Warning, be, be, beware, take heed of this chapter. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1, the Bible says, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the, all the children of Israel murmured against Moses, or murmured against or complained against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? So they're singing the same tune. It's like it had been better in Egypt instead of being crushed like grasshoppers from these giants. It would have been better if we'd have just stayed in Egypt. They're, they're singing the same song. And I'll tell you what, God's getting tired of their song. Numbers chapter 14, verse 3, the Bible says, And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword? that our wives and our children should be a prey or a plunder, if you look that word up, that they're going to be a plunder. Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? Verse 4, And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. So now they're taking it another step further. Not only are they complaining, saying, Oh, I wish we could go back to Egypt. Now they're saying, Tell you what, make, let's find a new leader, a new captain. And this captain or this leader will lead us back to the good land, which is Egypt. And they've got us so backwards. The promised land is this way. They're wanting to turn back to Egypt. Going so far as to say, we need a new captain, a new leader. Get rid of this Moses. Get rid of this Aaron. And find us somebody who's going to take care of us and do what we want, which is go back to Egypt. Instead of staying true and faithful to God. And the verse 5, it says, And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Why? They fell on their faces because Moses and Aaron are the captains. 
They're the captains right now. They're the leaders, and they want to replace them, and that's super upsetting to these guys. So Moses and Aaron are just bowing themselves down, very upset. And it says, and Joshua, verse 6, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jethanah, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. So they rent their clothes. And this is something that, that, that we see all the time. It's a show of being very upset. It, it, it's, a, it's a show of sorrow. And they rip their clothes in front of all of Israel. Verse 7, And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, that we will bring, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. These men are showing their faith. They are showing their trust in God. It said the land looks great. It looks good. And if the Lord delights in us, well, then we're going to get it. A land flowing with milk and honey. They're staying true to God. Verse 9 in the Bible says, Only rebel not. Ye against the Lord. This is them still speaking to the children of Israel. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bathed, stoned them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. So they're saying, This land is good, this land is great. If God delights in us, we're going to get this land. It's the promised land. God has promised it to us, and God is going to keep his promise. It says there, don't rebel. It said these people's defense is gone. It's departed from them. Don't fear these people that are a little bit bigger than you. Or if they're a whole lot bigger than you, it doesn't matter. If they're giants, God is with you. Fear not. But the congregation said, let's stone them to death. They are speaking true words of wisdom, showing faith and trust in God, and the whole congregation wants to grab stones and just kill them, murder them. And then the glory of the Lord appears in the tabernacle in the congregation before all the children of Israel. That must have been scary. It says, well, now you guys, now God is here, and he's going to talk to us. He's come down, and he's going to tell us what's going on. And he is not too happy. You know, it reminded me of Acts chapter 7. This is when Stephen is speaking, right, right before Stephen is stoned to death. And he's giving all this that Stephen is, is talking about. And Stephen uh, giving the account of this incident here. In Acts chapter 7, it says, This is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear. And, and we know that that's a prophecy of Jesus and it says here in verse 38, This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in, in the Mount Sinai, and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us, to whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them, and in their hearts turned back again into Egypt. There's, there's the warning. Where, where, where is our heart tonight? Is it in trusting God? Is it in faith in God? It said the children of Israel, their hearts had turned back to the world. Their hearts had turned back towards Egypt, and they did not believe and they did not trust God. And we're going to talk more about Moses and Moses and that Jesus similarity there, and we see that a whole lot in Numbers chapter 14. But it's a heart issue. 
the children of Israel's heart is not right in the sight of God in this chapter. And we should guard our hearts as well so that we don't end up having the same heart or mindset that the children of Israel have. Back in our, in our, our chapter, in Numbers chapter 14, verse 11, And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them, I will smite them with the pestilence or plague and dishearten them or had, 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 had disinherit them. And I will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. So God says, how long are these people going to act like this? How long are they going to provoke me? How long are they going to test me? God speaks to me. It's just so logical. I have showed them all these miracles from the parting of the sea to the manna that we read about to striking and having water to drink and, and having quail, more quail than they wanted, if you guys recall that. But God has done all these things for them. He said, I've showed them all these signs, all these miracles and they still don't believe. He's like, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to strike them dead, Moses. And I tell you what, I'll build you a better people, a better nation, because I'm sick and tired of these children of Israel. So I will make you a nation even greater. And it reminded me that even though this is the Old Testament, this is way back in the day, way before Jesus, Jesus had the same kind of issues because we're human. We, we make mistakes and we do things that are wrong. It reminded me of Matthew chapter 17, verses 15 through 20 here, where the Bible says in Matthew chapter 17, verse 15, Lord, have mercy on my son. This is, this is a guy, this is someone bringing his son who was sick to Jesus. And he says, Lord, speaking to Jesus there, have mercy on my son, for he is, he is a lunatic and sore vex, and oftentimes he falleth in, in the fire and off into the water. So just, just understand his son is sick, and he wants Jesus to heal him. And the man said, I, and I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer with you? Bring him hither to me. Does that not sound the very similar language? Jesus is going through the same thing God is going through. It says there in Matthew chapter 17, verse 18, And Jesus rebuked the devil because the, uh, the, the son had a, he had a devil. He was possessed. And he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour of his illness of him having that devil, of that demon. And came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? Verse 20, and Jesus said, because of your unbelief. <clears throat> For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. It said you couldn't cast it out because of your unbelief. The children of Israel are displaying the same unbelief. God said this land is yours. Doesn't matter how big these dudes are. You can have the land of Canaan. If you had faith as a mustard seed. And that's what the children of Israel are lacking. If they had faith as a mustard seed. They could have said to this mountain which is Canaan. You guys get out of my way and I will take that land. That's, that's the faith that they were lacking in Numbers chapter 14, just like the disciples here were lacking that same type of faith. So when they saw their mountain, which is giants, if they had faith, they would have said, get out of the way. This is my land because God has promised it to me. Let us have faith. Let us trust in God and make sure that our hearts are trusting God. Matt, uh, sorry, Numbers chapter 14 Verse 13, the Bible says, And Moses said unto the Lord, 
Then the Egyptians shall hear it, uh, for, uh, for thou broughtest up this people and thy might from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land, for they have heard that thou, Lord, art among this people, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by day in a pillar of a cloud and in a pillar of fire by night. <clears throat> so Moses, thank goodness for Moses there, speaks up. And he says, wait a second, God. If you tell this, the Egyptians are going to hear about it. You just did all this mighty, awesome power of God work to bring them out. He says, don't, don't, just wait a second. Let me, let me speak. So he tells them about all these things that God is doing. Verse 15, now if thou shalt kill the, all this people as one man, then the nations will have heard the fame of thee, will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he swore unto them, where therefore he say he hath slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, or I beg thee, let the power of my Lord be great according as thou hast spoken, saying. So he's just, it's, it, it's almost like he's reminding God of all the things that, uh, that, he, that he's done. And he's saying, if you do this, they're going to say, look, that, that God is not as great as we thought he was because he was supposed to bring these people out and bring them to Canaan. Well, God couldn't do it, so he just had to kill them and start over. That's what Moses is saying. He's like, don't, don't do that because then everybody's going to, you know, hear about it. And it's going to go out abroad and the, the name of God will be lessened is what Moses is saying. Then he's saying, according to thy power and according to what you have spoken, saying here in verse 18, it says, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. And then Moses said, Pardon, I beseech thee, or I beg thee, pardon the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. So Moses makes intercede, he intercedes for the people. He stands there in front of God and says, pardon them. I beg you. Even though these, these children of Israel wanted to kill Moses. They wanted to pick stones up just a second ago and murder him and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua. But Moses, being a humble servant, says, Lord, don't do this. I, I beg you, pardon them, forgive them, because you are a great, powerful, merciful, forgiving God. What a Jesus-like figure Moses is right here. He's standing in between judgment of these faithless, unbelieving children of Israel and God. You know, in Psalms 106, verse 23, the Bible says, Therefore he said that he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. Yea, they despised the pleasant land. They believed not his word, but murmured in their tents and hearkened <clears throat> not unto the voice of the Lord. Therefore, he lifted up his hand against them to overthrow them in the wilderness. That's, that's what we're reading about now. And it says, Moses, his chosen, stood in the breach he stood in the gap he stood before them and god and turned away the wrath of god does that not sound like jesus for us today jesus stands there he's a he he, he makes intercession for us he's he's there he's that advocate for us he's standing in the breach before us and god so that we can have that pardon 
so that we can be saved. So I thought it was very interesting to see the, the, uh, the uh, similarities there of what Jesus does for us today, what Moses, as a shadowy figure of, of things to come, was doing there for the children of Israel. And then, back to Numbers chapter 14, verse 20, God says, And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. So God gives that pardon. It's not a full pardon. We're going to read about that. But God was ready to wipe them off the face of the earth that very moment. And Moses went to God, spoke, and got them this, this pardon. But God is glory. God is merciful. God is for, uh, uh, forgiving. But God also is going to pronounce this judgment here on the children of Israel for what they did. Moses stayed the hand, so to speak. He didn't destroy all the children of Israel. But for their unbelief, for their unfaith and untrust in God, this is what God is going to do for them. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 22, <clears throat> he says, I pardon them, but, verse 22, because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had, he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him I will bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. So he says, since you guys have not listened to me, you didn't hearken to me all these ten times, you provoked me, you tested me, God says, you will not enter into my land. You're not going to enter into the promised land. Caleb's going to. Caleb's seed, his family is going to. But you guys are not. Numbers 25. Now, now the, uh, the Amicalites and the Canaanites dwell, dwelt in the valley. Tomorrow turn you and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. So he's saying, now you guys get, get out of here. Go back towards the wilderness, towards the Red Sea. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation, which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. So now he's speaking to Moses. Now he's speaking to Aaron, and God is saying the same stuff he was just saying. How long do I have to deal with these rebellious people? So I threw in a map. So he's saying that, they're right here in Kadesh Barnea, and he's saying, "Get the uh, here's the Red Sea, and the Red Sea comes down, and the Red Sea kind of goes around, and it says, kind of, you guys need to move from this place, it's close, close to the land of Canaan, you need to move by way of the Red Sea back towards this wilderness, and I'm not sure the exact location of that wilderness or where they moved to, but they're kind of starting to almost backtrack some now. There's a little bit of backtracking going on here because of how they treated God. Numbers 14, verse 28 says, Say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, because he was just telling about all, all the murmuring and the complaining that they were doing. Say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me, Doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell there and say, save Caleb, uh, uh, the son of, uh, of Jethani, and Joshua, the son of Nun. 
So he's, he's just telling Moses there that this is what I'm going to do. You, this is what you could convey to the children of Israel is that your carcasses are going to fall in this wilderness and you're going to die. You will not come into my promised land. Those that are 20 years and older, those that are, 20, or that are younger, that are 19 and younger, they will, and, and he's going to mention that here in just a minute. The younger ones that they're worried about being a plunder, that are worried about being murdered from those giants, he said, those younger ones, they'll get to go in. But you guys who should know better, have seen my miracles, have seen the things that I do, you guys should have known, and you will not enter into my rest, except for Caleb and, the, and Joshua. And it said that Caleb had a different spirit, as, as, as we read earlier. And that just means he had a spirit of faith. He had a spirit of trusting God. We should be like Caleb and like Joshua, having the spirit of trusting and having faith and belief in God. And like the warning sign, don't be like these children of Israel. Numbers chapter 14, verse 31, the Bible says, But your little ones, which ye said should be a prey or a plunder, then will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years, and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness." So the, the children, the young ones, they're going to wander around with their elders for that 40 years. And when that time period is over, they're going to get to go into the promised land with Caleb and with Joshua. Moses doesn't get to go. Aaron doesn't get to go. Just the younger ones there and Caleb and Joshua and their, their families. Verse 34, after the number of days in which ye searched the land, even 40 days each day for a year. Shall ye bear your iniquities, even of forty years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall be consumed, and there they shall die. So God is just continuing to let them know. For, for, for forty days you guys did this, well, guess what? It's going to be a year for each day. Forty years. And then you guys are going to die. They said your carcasses will lie there and the wilderness will consume you and they shall die. The entire congregation, except for the younger ones, Caleb and Joshua, are going to die in that wilderness after that 40-year period. And the men which Moses sent to search the, the land who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the, the son of, of Jephaniah, which were of the men that went to search the land, lived still. So Caleb, Joshua lived. Those other men, because you remember, they sent out captains. They sent out leaders, so to speak, of the children of Israel to spy out the land. All those leaders, except for Caleb and Joshua, gave this evil report. So they're not a part of the 40 years. They're a little separate judgment there. They don't even get to do the 40 years. They died right there in front of God because they're the ones that started this evil report. They're the ones that started all this murmuring and got the whole children of Israel worked up. Those guys died right there by plague before the Lord. You know, it, it gets me thinking, all these, and God said, all these children of Israel saw these miracles. All these children of Israel knew what God could do. 
And we know for us, to, us today what Jesus can do, the blessings that we have. What happens if we turn away from that? And it reminded me of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29, where it says, Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot of the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant? Wherewith he was sanctified and a holy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that saith, that, that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will, re, I, I will recompense, saith, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's the warning there. We know or, or if we turn and we count the blood of the covenant, the blood of Jesus Christ as an unholy or common thing, how much sore punishment? We're reading about punishment right now. God is punishing the children of Israel for the way they think, for the things that, that they do, for the things that, that they did or didn't do. God is, is, is doing that punishment. Will we be punished if we turn from God, if we turn from Jesus Christ, if we turn from the Son of God, if we turn and we go back to our own personal Egypt out there in the world, how much sore punishment will it be for us? That's just a warning sign for us to think. Guard your hearts, guard your minds, and continue forward on the path that God and His Son has laid, have, have laid for us. Numbers chapter 14, verse 39, the Bible says that Moses told these sayings unto all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. And they rose up early in the morning and got them up on, on, into the top of the mountain. And that just means they went up to the top of the mountain. They ascended up to the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here, and we'll go up unto the place which the Lord hath promised, for we have sinned. Verse 41, And Moses said, Wherefore now do ye transgress the commandment of the Lord, but it shall not prosper? So here, Moses told him all the things that God just told him. Forty years, you're going to die, all those things. You're not going to go into the promised land. And they mourned and they cried greatly because that's extremely upsetting, right? But then they rose up in the morning and they went to the top of a mountain. They saw the land of Canaan. And I tell you, it was a land flowing with milk and honey, just like John talked about last week. It was visibly pleasing. And they said, there it is. Let's go get it. I mean... It just doesn't sound right. And Moses is saying, so now you're going to transgress the commandment of the God. God just told you not to do that. He told you to turn away, go back towards the Red Sea, sort of, go back towards that wilderness. You guys are not going to come into that land. And it says there that, that Moses uh, continued on saying, go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that ye be not smitten or stricken before your enemies. For, for the, <coughs> the Amicalites and the Canaanites are there before you, and ye shall fall by the sword, because ye are turned away from the Lord. Therefore the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up unto the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. So they made up their minds. And Moses is even warning. Moses is a patient, patient man. You know what I mean? He is saying, guys, don't do this. I just told you everything that God said, and now you're going to go try to get into the promised land anyways? They said, if you do this, God is not going to be with you. And that's a strong message for us. If we turn from God and then we try to go make our own way to the promised land, you will not get there. 
You cannot get there without God, and you certainly can't get there without Jesus Christ. For us today, that promised land, that eternal home, you cannot do it on your own. If God is not with you, you cannot do what you need to do. And it says there, they went, but the covenant, the ark, the mercy seat where God is resting or where he comes to rest, didn't go, and Moses didn't go. And it reminded me of this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, where the Bible says, When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. The children of Israel acting like children. How many times have I told my child, don't do that? I'm telling you, do not touch that. And they touch it. And it hurts. I told you not to do that. I'm not there to protect you or whatever it is. That's childish thinking. God had just gave them a judgment. You get 40 more years and that's it. And now they're going to try to go take the land that God has told them not to take. The father just told the children no. And then Moses even said it again, no. So what happens? Numbers 14, verse 45, the Bible says, And the Amalekites came down and the Canaanites and dwelt in that hill and smote them. And discomforted them, even unto Horma. They were defeated. As a matter of fact, they had no chance. Before the first foot started marching towards that promised land, they were already defeated. That's how we should think. When we get up in the morning and it's time for us to start marching, before we take that first step, is God with us? Is Jesus with us? Because if not, whatever we're going to go try to tackle of the day it's going to be difficult. For these children of Israel, it was impossible. doesn't matter how many swords they had. doesn't matter how many spears they had. doesn't matter how many people they had. Just like John t- talked about in Gideon where God said, I just want 300 people against thousands of people. God's like, that's all I need. They did not have God, and they were not going to make it. It's a huge warning for us, brothers and sisters, as we close out this chapter. It's a warning chapter to me, a warning sign. Don't get like the children of Israel. Don't be like this. They are an example of unbelief that we can learn from so that we can not be like them. I did have one more map. I knew you were waiting for it. So here they were right here, and they tried to get into the, in the Canaan land. They were pushed back even to Hormah. So they're kind of pushed back here, and that's where, where they were uh, defeated. I don't know if you can see this map. It's a black and white map. I hope it looks okay. So this is where Horma is. This is where they were. The rest of the children of Israel, or most of the children of Israel, are going to come down here. They tried to get into the land of Canaan, and they were pushed back all the way to here. So that's where we leave off in the chapter. That's where we leave off in the map of where the children of Israel are. But before I close this lesson, this chapter, I want us to read a little bit from Hebrews chapter 3. You know, Hebrews chapter 3 And I did these backwards, but I did it for a reason. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says, For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with him was he grieved forty years. Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? But to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief and that's the same for us if we want to enter into the rest into the kingdom of god unbelief is not going to get us there we must believe in jesus christ we must believe in god it says here uh, uh, back in verse 12 it says take heed 
The writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, take heed, take warning, pay attention. Brethren, lest there be any of you with an evil heart of unbelief. And we talked about that. We talked about their hearts were not right. Their hearts were evil. Their hearts wanted Egypt. Their hearts wanted the world in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So there's a warning, but, but then there's a little bit of help there. It's like exhort each other, help each other, encourage each other so that we don't end up like the children of Israel. And do it today. Verse 14, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of the, uh, of the confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if ye will hear this voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation or in the day of rebellion. And that's what we were, that's what Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews there is, is, to, is talking about there. Is he's talking about Numbers 14 or, or what's going on there. He's saying, encourage each other, exhort each other so that you don't fall into the trap of the children of Israel. Because during that day of rebellion, they didn't get to make it into the promised land. And you know, you think about all those 40 years, and we're going to read about them. Do you think they ever thought about it? I'm, I'm almost positive that they thought about it. 40 years to know you will never get into God's promised land. 40 years is, is a pretty long time that they had that one chance and they blew it. We have one life, one chance. Don't let us have that heart of unbelief and help each other today while it is called today so that we can learn from the example, the warning sign that is there in Numbers chapter 14. Tonight, if you are not a child of God, if you have not obeyed the gospel in baptism, if you have not heard the word of God or have you not believed the word of God or have not confessed or been baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to walk in newness of life, it is worth it. It is absolutely worth it. That if you want to make it to that promised land, just like they were not going to make it without God, we can't make it without Jesus. We have to have Jesus in order for us to get to the promised land, for us to get to heaven. If you do not have Jesus, if you have not been baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and you want to put on Christ tonight, so that you can start your journey towards that promised land knowing that you have Jesus Christ with you. We are here to help you with that. There's water behind me. If you are a child of God and you realize that maybe your faith has been small, maybe your, your belief has been a little too small and it needs to be greater, your faith, your trust in God is not where it should be. We have today. We are still here. I see everybody here. We're still breathing we can fix these things. We can pray for these things, and we can encourage each other so that we can be stronger Christian in the future than we have in the past. If there's anyone of either class, would you please come sit on the front row and make your wishes known as we stand and we sing the song that's been selected. <laughs>